Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444 Bets. I'm Ryan Newton, back with my friends. It's that time of the year for the next two months. Move the Line will be your home for all things NFL draft, specifically NFL draft betting. Uh, after the draft cycle, we're going to get into all the other offseason nuggets, impact of coaching changes around the league, futures market, all that stuff. I'll continue to be here at least once per week leading up to week one of the season. If you're here with us now on YouTube, take a second, subscribe to the show. Uh, we're going to be sharing a ton of mocks over the next two months, including Scott's today. So watching is probably the best way to take this in. You can find us on YouTube. Subscribe to the 444Bets YouTube channel. Hit us with a thumbs up. Drop a comment in the chat. Let us know uh, what you like here for the combine. We're heading into combine weekend here. We're going to touch on that here at the top too. Uh, you can also listen to Move the Line. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, so find that and subscribe as well. Joined, as always, by Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, not a whole lot. I'm excited. I'm going to head down to the Combine on Friday, get to hang out with uh, Andy. Then we're going to go to a little St. Elmo's action, uh, steakhouse there. So that'll be fun. Excited to you know, meet some industry people there. And then most importantly, you know, betting on the Combine. Uh, anything you can get down action on, some uh, somewhat of an information market, you got to do it. So uh, pretty excited for that. Love it. Our third chair, obviously, for draft season uh, is one of the best mockers in the space, has been for a while, uh, connected and uh, absolutely love his process. And I think we learned a lot about player takes um, and just kind of having a really, I think, the right mindset for this time of year, which is super important. It is Scott Smith. You can find him on Twitter, uh, Scott Smith FF. We're going to dig into Scott's mock today. Scott, what's going on, bud? Not much, man. Getting ready for some of the MMA action uh, this week, and uh, you know, look, it's 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 draft season. You know, uh, we're getting a little bit of a mulligan these last two weeks, and uh, the big mock's going to be on you next week after all the information coming out from the combine. So, uh, look, uh, I'm I'm excited for all this. Uh, I'll probably be watching a good bit of the combine, and uh, Connor last week was trying to edge me just to go up and, and maybe take that flight to Indianapolis, but I've just got a little bit too much going on, but uh, I'll be watching this week and it, it'll be interesting to find out some of the news and they've already got some stuff breaking here this week and uh, a lot of the action that's going on this week in Indianapolis. Yeah. Right now we're, you know, it's kind of like media centric uh, interview centric, you know, we have a lot of the, uh, you know, shorts and t-shirt Olympics pushed to the weekend here, which I think is uh, important. And I think gives us a little bit more runway to talk about some of the, Props that are out there from a combine standpoint too. FanDuel is a pretty extensive menu in terms of actual legal books. The Pick'em sites, uh, we weren't sure they were going to get involved. I think there was a little trepidation on the Pick'em sites last year to get involved. But Prize Picks is put out a little bit of a menu. Underdogs got a little bit of a menu. Connor, I think uh, we're going to leverage Connor's excitement to be going down to Indy because uh, he went and got in the weeds last night on some of these uh, you know, current combine props that are out there. So. Uh, Kick it you, Connor. We can kind of uh, walk us through this, where we should be looking, kind of what your research led you to and, and what we need to be looking for. Well, first off, I think that, you know, I got to give a shout out to some of the true grinders. So like <laughs> Thor Nystrom, Eric Froton, Derek Brown. Like, I mean, these guys know everything about every single player. So there's like certain opinions that I trust. And then there's certain like information based bets that I trust. And so like, they're the opinions. They have a good combo of opinions and information, but like, just strictly off their opinions. Like, I think that they're just like rock solid for information. So quick shout out to them. You know, again, like my plays that I've been playing have been kind of a combination of that specifically. Um, but like right off the top here. So like looking at prize fix and underdog again, shop around for the best odds. Um, 
I played some Michael Penix under. It's four seven on underdog. Um, you know, reportedly running uh, a good bit faster than that. Um, you know, in, in his practice times there. And then a fun one for your, that I have just. I think I have him in every single play. Braylon Allen over four four flat. It's now a four four four. Braylon Allen is six two, two hundred and forty five pounds. If he runs a four three, he would be the most athletic running back like of all time. Like more athletic than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had like a 98th percentile speed score at like 6'4", two, or 247 and ran a 454. So like you're saying he needs to run like 0.15 faster. Like I, I just think that's still outrageous. So to me, that's a, that's a crazy one. Um, uh, I played some Jalen Wright overs uh, as well in the low 4.4s. And then Blake Corum, I played over 4.4.1 as well. I think that that's up to 4.4.5. Um, I mean, just everything that I've heard is, is he's going to be like close to like a four or five kind of guy. Um, so those are a couple of the ones that I like um, the most here, but I don't know. There's a couple of other like long shot markets. FanDuel posted all this stuff, which is awesome, but they let you down like 20 bucks, which kind of sucks. So um, I sprayed the board on some long shots there for fun, but I don't have any takes that are too strong uh, for the FanDuel side. Any takes on like specific where, you know, they have like the, you know, player to run the fastest, um, 40 or anything like that because i started to do a little bit of that the other day i just didn't have a ton of time i wanted to dig in this afternoon and then you talked to me this morning and said you got some stuff at the top of the show i don't know if you've done any research on that market or looked into any of that like who you expect to lead the weekend in 40 or anything like that positional based because i think fandle's got some of that stuff posted yeah there's um so nate wiggins i played at 20 to 1 for defensive backs he opened his prize fix line open to four five five. I mean, he's supposed to run in like the high four threes. Um, and so, but again, his main competition is Tyler Owens. We talked about it before the show. Tyler Owens is like massive and supposed to run like low four threes. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of like one of those people who like see it when I believe it. Like, you know, there's always these rumors that these guys are gonna run like insane times, and then just very rarely like happens, to be honest. I mean, these guys are always just trying to puff their chests out, everyone's trying to boost their draft stock, like. You know, so I'm very hesitant to take a lot of unders on these guys, but yeah, I think that's an interesting one. Um, no, looking at it now, the running back market is something I'm going to dive into a little bit more because if I expect Jalen Wright to kind of be a little bit over his his time, I think that there could be some value on some of the other guys there specifically. Um, and then tight ends like Bowers at plus two forty, I think is somewhat interesting. Like he's probably like a high four fours, low four fives guy, and I don't think there's another tight end that's super. Um, Super close to that outside of like Trey Knox, probably. So that's just like off the top there. If you want to sprinkle a little money again, limits aren't like massive. So we're not releasing that, but I'll, I'll put a couple of things in our Discord if I find anything that I really like. Today's show is sponsored by DraftKings' newest product, Pick Six. It's a pick em style platform where you choose players that have more or less of a certain statistical category, like passing yards, rushing yards, points, rebounds, assists, you name it. The twist is that DraftKings has made it peer to peer. If you're a contrarian, you outsmart your opponents, winnings can be massive. Even during the Super Bowl, they had a 200x winner for someone who hit six out of six picks. It's available in 21 states, including some that don't even have sports betting. If you play $5, you instantly get bonus credits as well uh, using our code in the show notes. And take advantage right now. So we are in kind of a transition period. Uh, you go to 444.com slash plans. Uh, and we have our starting transition to 2024. We have a discount currently. Uh, you can get uh, some information, you know, hit us up and jump. We'll have that information in the show notes, uh, but we have currently an early bird special that is starting uh, as we transition into 2024 stuff where you can get 10% off of an annual sub on um, the betting subscription of four for four gets you access to all that we're doing too. So if you still like to grind your season long leagues, um, I'm going to be doing IDP content for us this year. If you want to get in the weeds there or get in the tackles with us, 
Uh, basically, the, the betting sub gets you everything that we do. Paulson's already out with his early projections and looking forward to 2024. So, like, yeah, look, it, it just ended. But, like, it's also – like NFL has done a great job. Like NFL season never stops. Like I said, at the top of the show, it's draft season now, but like we're going to be betting futures. We're going to be betting team over under win totals. Like all the stuff comes up on you real, real quick. So definitely check that out. Uh, anything football speculation wise, four for four is your home. Uh, Dan in the chat. Will any of the three of you be benching? Um, I know that I could beat Dan in a calf raise contest. Cause that guy's got like baby chicken legs. Uh, it's just, <laughs> a, you know, the total classic, gym bro that skips leg day constantly uh so if you know you want to have uh you know we can we can go inside outside straight up dan we'll, we'll hit uh you know we'll hit whatever you want on the calves because i know you can't hang at all but uh scott doesn't count because scott's in the middle of like you know dealing with a knee issue uh but connor where are you at right now if we would clock your 40 what's your what's your what's the line you're hanging for yourself I mean, I'm I'm washed. All I know is that I can still beat uh beat you and Dago. That's all I that's all I got. That's all that matters. I don't care if I'm running a five one, but you old suckers are running in the sixes for sure. <laughs> no shot. I'm running in the sixes. I'm old. Let's see if Dago still listens to this. Let's see if Dago still listens because I'll get a text here in like a couple hours, being like, I'll still beat that ass. You know, that's what that's that that'll be the next text that I get. Dago's got little tiny legs. Like you know, I, I get like a you know, he's got to take a step and a half for every step that I take. So oh, I get, I'd get Dago two on a forty. So yeah, I may be older than both of you, but uh, I don't know. We might have to just try it out eventually. You know, I was a little more confident a couple of years ago, but I've been, you know, shedding some LBs, hitting the gym, just got to, you know, get my stride a little bit. Same. I, you know, I don't hit the gym. I hit the floor right behind the desk. Um, that's the best I could do as a, as a dad. Uh, the gym is not part of the makeup these days, but, you know, trying to, you know, trying to keep it in. Oh, I went to the Super Bowl. gosh, it was a long time ago now. So it's, it's been a while, but I was surprised at the time. I was still in my, my early 30s, and I still I, I had like a four nine and, and change. So still under five at that time. Now it's been a long time. That's good. Uh, but I, you know, I still think I I still think I'm not hitting six. So Scott, I'm sure a healthy version of Scott can hang, but right now Scott's not healthy, so I can't even can't even do it to him. It's not even fair. Yeah, he's just yeah. giving me the, the not nah, We got the last there. combine prop here too from Patrick in the comment. Over under of dong slips during the 40. <laughs> Uh, I don't know who it was that that happened to. Maybe it was like a year, one or two years ago, something like Chris that. Chris Jones. So, Chris Jones. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, we'll set the number at half. We'll set the number at half. Uh, juice towards the under a little bit, plus money on the over. So if you want to bet on, uh, you know, dong slips during the <laughs> during the combine, you can get some plus money there. Yeah. Shout out to the goat too, Tom Brady, uh, putting out that clip today where like forty six year old Tom Brady running faster than twenty two year old Tom Brady at the combine. Like that's. Some serious life goals right there. As someone who is fast approaching 46, um, I, I don't think I'll be able to beat 22-year-old uh, self because I do eat nightshades. Uh, you know, I don't go to bed before 7. Uh, I don't have a personal trainer that, like, lives with me like Tommy does, but uh, pretty pretty cool to see that uh, that stuff. So, all right, let's gave bring old, up – You know, give the old yeah, – Yeah, giving the old <laughs> – it is true. It is true. Let's bring up, uh, let's bring up Scott's mock. Uh, Scott, talk to me about the process at this point. Um, you know, again, we are – just like Connor, we are pre-combine. We are you know, pre-free agency. We are in a spot where uh, you know, you're dealing with a, definitely less information as we get closer because we are still two months, almost full two months out. Um, what's shaping this? Uh, just talk to me about your process here. 
Yeah, so for my initial mock draft, I really tried to kind of look at team by team and positional needs and and not look at a lot of other information that's out there, a lot of other mock drafts kind of in general. I, I start to look at those a little bit deeper into the process to kind of see what some other people. So I, I, I kind of just go through a thought process here and, and try to get my own thoughts out. The interesting thing, we went through Connor's mock last week and Man, I like I kind of landed on some of the similar players that in, in the same positions because just the way I, I think the draft board is going to fall and the way some of these team needs are, are shaken out, it, it's you know the players are just right there in that range and, and match up, you know, pretty similarly in some circumstances. But specifically, I was a little bit disappointed and uh, woke up this morning, turned on NFL Network, and uh, I kind of see Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft at the at the bottom and. You know, he had some some players to positions that I thought it might be unique on here for my first mock. And, uh, you know, so so that was one of the things It's both good and bad. I tend to like to be a little bit unique at times, but it's also good to know that maybe your alignment with a, a guy like Daniel Jeremiah, who's so well connected in the NFL circles, you know, that you, you have some similar players and some similar takes and ideas of where players are going to land. We did that process last year, and I thought that was a fun exercise. We actually, I think we had like a Kuiper and Jeremiah release within like a day of each other, and I think we we went side by side. And um, you know, Kuiper is out more recent than Jeremiah, uh, whereas you know Jeremiah's been about a week or so. Where we had a Kuiper release yesterday, which I think is interesting to look at. I, I'm going to cite uh, this incredible resource by our friends uh, Vegas Refunds. Uh, keep an eye out; we might have some. Uh, some Vegas refund appearances here to kind of help us through this process. Uh, but definitely check it out. Find Vegas refund on Twitter. Uh, and his, his draft betting resource is like, it's totally worth the price uh, in terms like if you're doing, you're spending it, you're watching this show. Uh, you care about draft betting two months out. Like this resource is fantastic. So check that out on, uh, on VR's Twitter. But uh, yeah, I think that that's an interesting thing too. We can get a sense of, you know, where people are following, where teams are, uh, like how frequently positions are being mocked to teams and stuff like that. So I think that that's uh, forming some stuff too. We feel like we've had a shift too, where there's been a lot of, I feel like there's a kind of consensus of one, two, three with the quarterbacks. You did something a little bit different here. Um, you also did Drake May, similar to what Connor did to the start with with Caleb and Drake May. I, I'll get, I'll give you the floor to talk about Caleb if you want to. We've also had like an increasing thing of like, it's definitely Jaden Daniels in the mix um in that top group i think even kuiper had that we've seen a number of of mocks in the last couple of days where it's you know jane daniels uh you know my son will put on like espn in the morning when he's having some breakfast and it's basically like is it going to be caleb is it going to be jane daniels like drake may suddenly on you know first take is like a secondary thought which is very interesting to me um so what was your thought process here Kind of in that top group again. You know, we can talk about I guess the bucket of four since you have Jane Daniels going to four. But uh, talk to me about the top of the board. Yeah, so we talked a lot last week about Caleb Williams and specifically looking at the line of you know Caleb Williams to be the first overall pick. And, and I feel comfortable with that. I know you guys in Chicago tend to feel comfortable with that as well. There was some video that came out this week of Justin Fields celebrating in his kitchen or something. Some people speculating, did he say I'm going home, which would mean Atlanta. 
So there's some things like that, but I feel comfortable with Caleb Williams and and just the overall team building philosophy of resetting, you know, that that quarterback salary cap and building around a, a rookie quarterback that's on his first contract. So Caleb Williams is the pick there. He's also probably the quarterback out of all of these that, you know, even though you have some mixed opinions on him, he's the one guy that consistently gets that generational or special talent kind of moniker when you talk to some guys around NFL circles and, and what they think about him so you know that's that's a spot that i'm comfortable i've been leaning heavily towards drake may at washington um and specifically when we talk about cliff kingsbury and you know some of the new play callers over there in in washington and phil longo coached both sam howe and drake may there in north carolina he's now offense coordinator in wisconsin and he is heavily connected really good friends think along the same mindset of Cliff Kingsbury. And I, and I just tend to think that the insight that he's going to get in the, in Washington front office is going to get into Drake May is going to kind of lead them to Drake May being that pick at number two. Now here recently, you've had a lot of Jaden Daniels going to, to Washington, coming into to, to kind of the picture. And specifically, I think that comes a lot from what you've been hearing out of Dan Quinn this week in Indianapolis with some of his interviews and some of the things that they've been talking about. And I think where people are keying in on one of the things that he said was talking about getting a mobile quarterback. And, and Jaden Daniels is the most mobile quarterback in this draft. But it's not like Drake May can't move and can't run. When you go watch his tape, he's really good with the scrambles and some of that. And I think Drake May just does a better job of throwing to people who are covered than what Jaden Daniels Daniels does. Um, I think Jaden Daniels is definitely in the mix there at two, um, but it, it's 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 up for debate. And the one thing I will say, if you want to key in on who Washington is going to end up picking there at two, Peter Schrager is heavily connected to Cliff Kingsbury. I think you can go back to all the years that Cliff Kingsbury was the coach there at, at Arizona. And I want to say Peter Schrager hit on every single one of their picks. So right now the market sits around minus 150, I think for Drake may to be the number two overall pick to Washington. Um, if he ends up being the pick, I think that's probably going to be one of the best numbers you can get on him. But I, I don't think it's time to pull the trigger on that just yet. And, and like I said, when it comes to that pick, it, Peter Schrager is one of the guys that I'd be like heavily tuned into. Yeah, that's an interesting call there. Some of the movement that we've seen since the last time we met in terms of like the top of the board, Connor, is the only thing that's really changed is Jane Daniels has gone from 15 to one to be the top pick to eight to one on DraftKings to be the top pick. Everything else has been pretty stagnant. So I think that kind of does speak to what I was talking about at the top where, you know, someone like Hyper who puts him at two, all of a sudden it's like, well, if there's questions about Caleb or whatnot. So uh, what are your thoughts here on whether it's the field stuff, uh, jumping in his kitchen or anything that Scott had to say here at the top of the board? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that Caleb's going to go one, one way or another, whether it's you know Chicago keeping the pick or trading down with Washington. I don't really see another scenario with another team trading up to one, to be honest. The Bears, uh, I would say almost certainly are moving on from Justin Fields. They're also minus 1,000 right now to keep the pick at FanDuel. You can bet on them to trade the pick um, at like five to one. Again, I just don't think that that's going to happen right now. So I think they're going to stay, trade Fields, draft Caleb. We're probably going to see Fields traded in the next week, from my understanding. Uh, and so like after the combine settles, they'll just pick the best offer and go from there. I mean, they talked about wanting to move on quickly. We saw Ryan Poles have a couple of Freudian slips there with his interviews of being like, when this does happen, or, you know, when we do, you know, this, like, of like re referencing trading fields. Like, I, I think it's basically a done deal at this point. So, um, 
you know, I think that's going to happen. And then two with May, I think that's really interesting that what Scott brought up specifically. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I still kind of lean there, but I'm, I think where I'm at though, I want to like touch into this, this third pick. Um, I, I was pretty interested in, in the Marvin Harrison one. And I was wondering if Scott saw any of like the more recent reports on the Patriots, because I think I'm growing ever more firm on the opposite of what Scott has, but I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, for me, it's really just doing a, a thought exercise and process of how the board could fall out if, if some different moves happen. And specifically here, you know, I, I think the news that you're referencing was that Bill Belichick was uh, had Jaden Daniels at the top of his board. And, you know, it, it goes with to say with a, a lot of that staff kind of holding over there um, and uh, in New England, you know, is, is Jaden Daniels still going to be at the top of the board with that staff there? Um, in this circumstance, the thought process was really – what if New England makes a move at quarterback, whether it be Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, you know, some of the other guys that are available, would they come out better in a better situation with Marvin Harrison and a veteran quarterback versus, you know, taking Jaden Daniels and whoever may be there with the, you know, their second, third round picks. So I, that's kind of the thought process here. I, I really just wanted to do the exercise and see how the board would fall out and what might mm-hmm. happen to Jaden Daniels, who I have going forward to New York um, after a trade with uh, with Arizona after they miss out on Marvin Harrison in this circumstance. Yeah, no, it's um, OK. So, yeah, specifically the new the two ones that I was referencing. So uh, Mark Daniels, a Patriots B reporter, said came out and said Patriots plan is to draft quarterback at three and sign a vet. Um, and then Charlie Campbell, uh, you know, Walter football essentially is like, you know, one of the better mock drafters, some other interesting opinions otherwise, but, uh, better mock drafters, uh, and said that the Patriots view all, t- all three quarterbacks is top three worthy, slightly into Drake may, but that otherwise they think that like all of them are very worthy of a top three pick. So, uh, I think to your point, Scott, like they would have to have some, another plan in place. It'd be fields cousin, someone else like that. Um, but it seems like from those two, like, it seems like the Patriots at this point are like way more open than they've ever been with some of this info. Cause like, we would never even get reports like this. Like, even if like people wouldn't even try and like claim it, maybe people are trying to take advantage of the fact that Bill Belichick's not there. And they're, you know, thinking that they can get away with saying stuff that's not really quite as proven, but those are now two separate people who have said something like somewhat similar in a sense. So, you know, obviously it's not a lock by any means, but I think that's starting to, it's the early signs of a drumbeat for me of them probably just like standing back and picking a quarterback. And one of the other other names that, that's been mentioned, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is New England's had some interest, and there, there's been some reports that they've had interest in Sam Howell. Um, not that I think Sam Howell would preclude them from taking a quarterback there at three, but I think it makes a lot of sense because Sam Howell didn't play great, but didn't play horribly. I don't think Eric Bieniemy did him any favors with uh, the play calling and the protection scheme what they what they had with the offensive line last year and the amount of times they just dropped back and slung it. But I, I think Sam Howell does have some building blocks as a high upside backup, and I, I don't think with Washington drafting a quarterback at two, they want to have the distraction if their rookie quarterback goes through a slump or whatnot of Sam Howell kind of sitting in the background with some of the games and some of the success he did have at times, although it was inconsistent. So I think that that Sam Howell is a player that could be on the move this offseason. Um, and I, I think with what you're with what you're talking about and, and the Patriots possibly signing a, a vet, I think Sam Howell is a guy that they might look at. But, you know, it, it would kind of put them in a similar situation of, you know, Sam Howell kind of lingering in the background with a rookie quarterback who could have some struggles at times. And sometimes that can roll up a fan base. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, I think Sam Howell probably should be in the mix to at least compete for a starting job. Do I want him to be the starting quarterback for my team when they're sitting in the top three, uh, when there are probably three quarterbacks on the board? Uh, I mean, I'm excited to see Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, you know, with the, uh, you know, you know, Pat the Patriot next to him, but I don't feel like that's a uh, super exciting. I mean, Kirk Cousins, you can sell me on a little bit, but again, like, you know, Drake May, Drake May would be uh, a nice little fog. I'm a, kind of a Drake May fan at this point. I think if you, you know, watch the underdog Drake May uh, video that they do with him watching him himself uh, break down film with, uh, you know, a, a quarterback that he's familiar with, who's you know familiar with his system, you know, the same type of Cole McCoy who worked under Mac Brown, uh, in Texas, so like you know, Mac Brown coaching Drake May at Carolina, I think is a is definitely an interesting interesting thing to kind of go through the process there too. I kind of like what you did in the thought process of moving forward and like, all right, what does what do the Cardinals do in reaction at four when the guy that everyone thought they were going to take uh, is no longer there? That becomes a spot where all of a sudden you continue to trade down. We saw last year that was a organization that is very comfortable and willing to be aggressive to move off of that if they you know their board kind of shakes that way there's kind of an increasing drumbeat. uh there's been a lot of pro malik neighbors talk uh, steve mentions here in the chat any thoughts on neighbors first non-qb at 13 to 1 on rivers you know i think there's some like first receiver off the board you probably even a better price here uh on rivers in terms of uh, what they're doing with first non-qb part of that i think is the natural process of this you know natural discussions that come out of this process. It's like you, it's the same thing with Caleb Williams. Almost like we start to look for reasons why the layup's not the layup uh, and why the guy that's like the consensus clear number one is not the clear number one. Now I think that these three receivers with Roman Dunze as well are absolute difference makers. And in any other draft and any other scenario, top five picks and like most definitely number one receivers off the board. It just, it's just really hard to poke holes in Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, as good as neighbors is, as good as the Dunze is. And again, if you look kind of, you know, using VR's tool here as well, like there are some folks that have uh, Roma Dunze ahead of neighbors. Uh, even Kuiper, I believe, had uh, neighbors at nine and the Dunze going six. Um, so like there's not just a like clear cut one, two, three consensus, except you just can't find really anyone who's putting anyone ahead of Marvin Harrison. So any thoughts there, Scott? Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit frustrated this week um, with some of the news that's been coming out of the combine, specifically when we're talking about this bet with neighbors being the first non-quarterback. I think he had an, an opportunity to get some momentum going towards that. But then, you know, what you're hearing is that he's not going to do any of the positional drills and work out. I think he's just going to go and, and, and run the 40. So you know, it'd be nice if he ran a, a four three. Um, we talked about Marvin Harrison not working out this week, so there, there's just a missed opportunity to build more momentum going towards that. I don't think uh, some of these front offices are are really too happy about some of the decisions of these guys to to not work out and kind of skip some of the combine drills. Um, I think the combine really gives a lot of these wide receivers through the gauntlet and through some other things, uh, you know, a, a place to shine and kind of see how smoothly they move and catch the ball and things of that nature. And I just think it's a missed opportunity there. And it's not a, a bet that I'd be willing to make with as much, you know, heat as there is surrounding Marvin Harrison being that first non quarterback off the board. 
Yeah, and I, I want to add there too. So I was thinking about this a lot last night because I know uh, Silva has bet this. I know that, you know, Boyden bet it. A couple other people brought it to me. And I think at the price, it's not terrible, like 13 to 1. You know, again, anything over 10 to 1, sure, because there were, were plenty of reports that, like, some teams have neighbors over Marvin Harrison Jr., which, you know, again, is viable. The issue I have with this board right now is so Scott has a trade going on here, but if you're the Patriots and you're picking one wide receiver over a quarterback, it's almost certainly be Marvin Harrison Jr. But in the normal scenarios that are just one, two quarterback times three, it just relies on the Arizona Cardinals, right? So like it does Arizona have neighbors over Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, all the early reports were that they like love Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Like they're all over him, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so if they somehow don't pick him, it would probably be like a trade down, right? Like it would be a trade down. So are someone going to trade up for Malik neighbors? Like in a spot, like that's, that's just kind of where I struggle with like those processes of like how, like in what scenario does Malik neighbors go over Marvin Harrison jr. And I just don't really see a whole lot of those scenarios happening. Now, I mean, it happened with the Derek Stingley sauce one a couple of years ago in the surprise pick there. But even then, like, I feel like we had a little bit more uncertainty with what the Texans were doing at three because they had so many different holes. So, um, I don't know. I, I just I just struggled like get there, even though I think there is some value from like uh like a totality standpoint. Uh, I'm just not quite sure. I think with with Arizona there. Yeah, uh, JMD asked a good question in the chat too. Uh, kind of referencing a couple of years ago when we had you know Rugs, Judy, Lamb. Um, you know the thought there was three different types of wide receivers would be fit based based off of what the teams wanted. Um, asking if these are similar or different types. These are all alphas. <laughs> these are not. These are all big boys with like the the like rugs type speed almost like maybe not rug speed but like pretty damn close, um, yeah. which is just kind of a unique thing. Like that's the thing is like these are like you know you're you're there's just not as much of a differentiator in terms of like system fit. And I think it's a really good question. I don't think there's that much a difference between what the, these guys are all you know six three and up with track speed and big you know two hundred you know fifteen plus pound frames that are just kind of wide receiver ones in the NFL that are not necessarily scheme specific where, you know, Judy a little bit different rugs, a little bit different. Um, obviously those careers have not played out like, you know, they had thought for sure, but uh, these guys are just, I think kind of in a, in a different stratosphere. And again, I think a really great question. Uh, I think you could do the similar exercise at the offensive line position. And that's kind of where we are with the next pick, because I referenced this last time we met, this kind of goes back to a couple of years ago. We had like Tristan Worfs and Andrew Thomas, and like there started to be like a a perception that there was a clear differentiators between the two, or between like the group of like four guys. Um, and then all of a sudden there was Andrew Thomas, and who was like buried in terms of where everyone else had him. So uh, Scott's doing it a little bit different here uh, with Olu Fashanu five to the Chargers. Joe Alt had been a popular kind of plug in at five. Uh, he has Alt going seven. To the Titans, you kind of have you know JC Latham there in the mix in the next group, and then you kind of maybe have a little bit of a teardrop where some of the rest of those guys go. I think you continue to make a case that maybe all of that tier can be consolidated consolidated a little bit, and it becomes more of team need specific uh, versus like player differential. If that makes sense to Scott, talk to me about uh, what you did here at five or any of the offensive lineman stuff. Yeah, for me, I think there's really two clear favorites, and that that's going to be Olu Fashanu and Joe Alton. I think you really just kind of have to take your 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 decision based upon 
what you feel with those two guys. Um, I think Joe Alt, when it, when it comes to talking about him, I think he's the more finished prospect. Um, in the last two years, he's kind of been rated as, you know, the top offensive tackle there in college football. And I don't think he's done anything to, to really do that. But when you start talking about Fashanu, I think he's got a higher ceiling at this point. And specifically here to the Chargers, uh, you, you start talking about – you know, Harbaugh taking over and, you know, that's a player that he saw in the Big Ten that he's going to be familiar with, you know, and, and so it was just a little bit of a lean there because I think Harbaugh is going to be the one calling the shots. If they do go offensive tackle, I think fashanu has got a little bit higher ceiling and it's just a familiarity thing with them playing against Penn State and being familiar with some of the Big Ten players and, you know, scheming as to how they're going to beat that guy. I think it's a guy he'll be a little bit more familiar with. Um, and, and that was really the lean there um, to, to go ahead and switch it up from from Joe Alt. But I, I feel pretty confident here that if it's uh, if it's not Brock Bowers at five, it's going to be a tackle. So, yeah, that makes sense. What's interesting, again, you know, referencing the latest Kuiper mock draft, his first offensive lineman off the board is J.C. Latham, five to the Chargers. Latham currently on Rivers. Nine to one to be the first offensive lineman taken. So again, like Kybers is a little bit off market in comparison. Um, you know, but like most people have, you know, Latham kind of going in that next range in terms of like uh you know, basically in the low teens. Um, but Latham's a guy that could go out and have a really nice combine from like a size speed situation. Like he can go out and put up some really nice athletic testing and put himself in the mix. My point is just I think that. The way that this is spaced out, and I'll go all the way down to uh, you know Marius Mims, who you have twenty five to the Packers, uh, who another guy that is like freakishly athletic for his size, who can go out here and put up some insane uh, numbers. Like this, I just don't think there's a huge gap between all of them, and this can kind of become team need specific. So I would stay really pliable. I wouldn't bet into the top of the board here if you're looking to get into like first offensive lineman off the board, where it's like Alton Fashanu are a little bit ahead of everyone else. Uh, I just would stay pretty open to that. Let kind of free agency play itself out. Let the combine play itself out. And I think you could see a shift where some of these guys go. Uh, Connor, do you have anything to add on this topic? Yeah, just uh, briefly here. So Kuiper is the only one out of anyone that uh, Vegas Refund is tracking on the sheet, which he just tracks like sharp mock drafters, basically, um, yep. who has him even who has him as the first offensive line. And there's only two people who even have him in the top 10. So it's like Kuiper and then Trevor Sikama. It was like for a mock on 212. So that's like two weeks ago. So uh, I think it might just be like an early exercise kind of thing, like where you're just putting it there and figuring it out. Um, I I think more notable is that the amount of people are starting to put offensive line with the Chargers instead of uh, Brock Bowers, which was like an early candidate. So that's what I'm mostly paying attention to here. I don't think there's enough signal to like even give nine to one a pop on uh, JC Latham. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just as, you know, stay stay pliable and you know kyber may have lost his fastball a little bit but i would expect him <laughs> to be um you know maybe a little bit more plugged into some of the other mocks that are currently you know checked in the sheet and again obviously vr's sheet is uh is solid and not just like literally, literally any other mock drafts those you know there's sites that have that if you want to just find literally any mock draft that's been done um that's not what this is but uh you know i think it's definitely something to kind of stay flexible with um, you mean, you know, we still kind of landed a wide receiver with the Cardinals, even on the trade back. We talked about alt, um, there as well. Dallas Turner at eight to the Falcons. Um, is this based off of the thought process that there's, this is, is this Justin Fields dancing in his kitchen related? We thought, Hey, they're, 
because you started to have a little bit of a drum beats with like JJ McCarthy and some other stuff going on there. Does this say, I think they're going to go about quarterback in a different way kind of pick. Yeah, for me, I, I think it's going to be about going quarterback in a different way. Specifically, when we start talking about longevity of being a GM, Terry Fontenot doesn't have it. Um, you look at the way that that team has has approached the quarterback situation, and I think that you know plays into Arthur Smith getting fired. And, and so, when you start talking about these GMs wanting to protect their neck and, and you know be able to to have a little bit of leeway, I don't think Terry Fontenot has it. And so taking a chance to sit here and, and you know kind of being on the outskirts of the top three quarterbacks and maybe having to to take a chance on J.J. McCarthy I don't think is something that's going to sit well with Atlanta and Terry Fontenot having you know a, a long extended career there in Atlanta if he does that um, so I, I tend to think that they're going to make a move whether it be for Russell Wilson Justin Fields or even Kirk Cousins um, and you start to look at the offensive weapons that they have there they need a quarterback that's ready to play now not somebody that's going to come in and need a year or two so I, I think it you know Justin Fields is a lot of smoke there you know with him being from Atlanta um, I, I think he's got a, a strong possibility to land there but when you start looking at everything else uh, that's a team that I think needs some some help you know applying pressure on defense and and doing some of that and, and Dallas Turner is kind of the top guy here as far as the edge rushers and top defensive player on most draft boards that you see so that's why I kind of slotted him there um, to eight with uh, Atlanta, I just don't think that Fontenot can really go any other route and waiting for, uh, you know, the fourth quarterback off the board in the draft. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Patrick in the chat has an interesting point as well. Arthur Blank uh, might not be around for a lot, <laughs> a lot longer. So I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get the process. I feel like this is where we were at last year when it was, you know, the early Bijan Robinson stuff. It's like, man, the Falcons have such a year over year need. Uh, to generate pressure. Um, so, you know, landing there uh, on a defensive edge, I think does make a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned, you know, Turner, I think is the consensus. I don't think you see anything in the mock draft that'll tell you that he is um, not the first defensive edge off the board. Uh, there are a couple others that are in the mix here with uh, Jared Verse. And, um, you know, Latu Latu had basically a basically retired because uh, of like uh, injury issues. But he came back, uh, and man, I don't know if you guys have watched any highlight clips of this kid. He is really fun, uh, and if like he is on your team, I don't know. I just, I feel like he can. If some of the medical stuff is okay, I think he is going to be a name to continue to watch come up. Now, again, I I can imagine some teams probably just have a straight black line through his name. Uh, there's any medical concerns, it's really hard to take that shot and miss in the first round. Uh, but the tape seems kind of fun. Uh, I could see him getting into a spot where it's, you know, he's a little bit closer to first and Turner, but I think that's probably an interesting discussion down the road. Um, Roma Dunze, same thing that Connor had. Uh, JC Latham, Connor, I believe you also had an offensive lineman to the Jets, which I think is the important yep. part of this process at this point, right? More so the names is, is sometimes just positional stuff. JJ McCarthy falling from eight where Connor had them to 11. I think this would be a absolute wet dream for the Vikings to be able to sit there at 11 get their answer at quarterback. Uh, I think McCarthy would be someone that the Vikings would absolutely love in like Kevin O'Connell's system. Uh, that would be a fantastic fit for them. Uh, talk to me about J.J. McCarthy here, Scott. Yeah, it's it's really when you start looking at it, J.J. McCarthy's had that rise up boards. Um, and, you know, specifically you're hearing reports and, and it's making you less and less comfortable that Kirk Cousins is going to go ahead and return. I think uh, what they're looking for is, is a two-year deal. 
Um, you know, when you start talking about it, it's probably going to be somewhere in the range of 45 million. So you're talking 90, 90 million over two years um, for Kirk Cousins. I think Minnesota is a little bit away from that, um, not wanting to, to really go that route. So it, it's, it's really I'm starting to feel less and less that they're going to go and, and have Kirk Cousins return at this point. I, you know, if I had to put a number on it, it'd probably be 50 50, even with Kirk Cousins return. Um, you know, that's a team that that needs help along the, the defensive line. You, you start talking about Daniel Hunter and, you know, some of the other players that they, they have there not necessarily working out. And so uh, I think when you talk about Brian Flores, I think defense is a route that they can go. But if there's a quarterback here like J.J. McCarthy, I think they would go ahead and pull the trigger and, and kind of start to build for the future at that quarterback situation with the weapons that they have in Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, I love that. Hunter, a free agent and unlikely to return. I did have a nice year last year compiling sacks, but it uh, doesn't seem like someone that the Vikings are looking to extend in the long term. Interesting here, this is you know, when we get to the first name that was not in Connor's mock draft. Uh, and when this is going to happen, you're going to have a, a someone go from not in the draft to in the draft into the top 12. It's probably going to be a quarterback, and this makes sense. We did talk. It's been a little bit of time saying, like, listen, the Broncos are kind of strapped in terms of where they're at in draft capital and some of the other things that they're going to have to get off of a post-June 1 cut here of Russell Wilson. Bo Nix here at 12, getting their answer at quarterback. Uh, Is it just that simple as, hey, we kind of all agree that they got to do something and they're going to be hard-pressed to do something in terms of a splash on the Kirk Cousins. That's not in what the range of outcomes for what they're doing. Probably really hard to get up into the top three or even get ahead of Minnesota to get McCarthy. Uh, Go ahead, Scott, talk to me about Bo Nix. So as far as Bo Nix, I think we we kind of hit on the, the top four quarterbacks. And I just think Denver is in a, a bit of a situation to where they have to go some route. Um, specifically, I, I've heard, you know, some reports that that Sean Payton does like Bo Nix. And when you look at some of the stuff that Sean Payton runs and some of the knocks against Bo Nix, it, it's been more about his his willingness to throw deep. And, and Sean Payton has historically run a lot of slants, a lot of short to, to mid range stuff with with some bigger wide receivers and then some other guys that, you know, have a little bit of ability to break some yards after a catch Bo Nix excels there in that short to mid-range stuff he had a really good season at Oregon um, he's got the athletic ability and size that I think that that could hold up but I, I think that even putting him here is a little bit of a reach but I, like I said I just think with when you start looking at draft capital and assets you know Denver's in a, in a tough spot and I don't necessarily think that you know, reaching for a non-quarterback necessarily is the, the situation or route that they go. I could possibly see them going ahead and, and trading back a little bit, maybe for a team that would want to move up for a Brock Bowers. Um, yeah. You know, somebody like Cincinnati maybe could move up and, and get Brock Bowers, and and maybe that would be a better range for Bo Nix to be there in the 18, 19, 20 range. You know, something like that happening where Denver can kind of recoup some more draft capital and assets um, would make a lot of sense, but uh, under this cir- circumstance with the top four quarterbacks off the board and Denver needing to make a move. Bo Nix is a guy that I fell on. Bo Nix currently, uh, based off again off of uh, Vegas refund sheets, going in the first round on 20, 29% of the mock drafts. Um, you will, when he updates and adds yours, uh, you will be the highest on Bo Nix. I don't hate it though. I think the process makes a ton of sense. I do think you're, what you said there in the end uh, is spot on. Whereas like it's a, maybe this point, a player team fit that I think makes a ton of sense. Uh, it might not happen at 12 because they might have the ability to get off of that and still land on the player. And I think the, the shout out to Cincinnati is a great call too in terms of a trade up partner possibility. 
so yeah, I think the the process that that is here, uh, I think makes a ton of sense versus just someone clicking, seeing Bo Nix at twelve, and be like, "What's this guy doing, Bo Nix at twelve? Like no one's got him in the first. Like, you know, I, I think this this is really sound sound process, and I think that there's something something there. Connor, any thoughts? Again, you, you left Bo Nix out. Um, you know, were you close, or what do you think about Scott's process here? Yeah, I, I guess I just don't really know right now. I think his process on like the Broncos drafting a quarterback makes sense. There, the Broncos are plus three fifty right now to to draft Bo Nix, which is currently the favorite uh, over at ESPN Bet. So I think that's worth noting as well mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what they expect. So yeah, I think I think Scott did a great job there. Kind of, I mean, we're pretty aligned on those top like 10, uh, 11, 12 guys here, pretty much with with everyone there. And then I guess I just want to circle back real quick to, to a guy like Dallas Turner. Uh, he's six two with a wingspan that is larger than Laurie Markkinen, Jason Tatum. Uh, and is a, a like half inch shorter wingspan than LeBron James. I mean, he is just, and he's his 40 time is expected to be in like the high four fours, maybe low four fives. And he's 250. I mean, like he is yeah. an absolute freak is awesome. Like it would not be surprising at all. If a team like the giants chargers, uh, Titans decide we just need a sick edge and we're just going to draft Dallas Turner. So I think depending on his combine performance, definitely worth keeping in mind. Yep. Good call. Yeah. Big, big guy. Uh, definitely, a, you know, Trayvon Walker type, uh, you know, shorts and t-shirt all-star for sure. Whereas, you know, that was, they fell in love with him because it was just like, all right, this guy's traits. Um, he's just seeing, you know, knowing teams, the draft traits too, I think is an important piece of it too, as we get there. Uh, you know, some other consensus stuff. The one that's interesting to me just from a football standpoint is I would absolutely love to see, Brock uh, Brock Bowers and Anthony Richardson team up uh, and make absolute oh, yeah. magic together. Uh, that would be a fantastic, fantastic addition. Uh, Floors yours, Scott. Talk to me about that one because Bowers is hard to mock right now. Yeah, look, we hit on it last week, and and I, you know I was listening to a lot of what Connor had as far as his input into his thought process with the mock draft, and you know he he landed with Bowers in, in Denver, and I, I tend to think that quarterback's going to be a little bit of a higher priority for for Denver than what it what Brock Bowers would be, especially with Greg Dolcic and some of the other guys that they have there. Um, and it, it's really just flat out tough to find a a, a team that is going to go ahead and, and fit Brock Bowers or value him enough to draft him here within the top you know 12 13 14 picks um I, I've I'm down here in New Orleans um so I've got you know some friends that would absolutely love it if the Saints drafted Bowers but um I, I think when you when I landed here in, in Indianapolis and kind of saw the slide after trying to match up some players with team needs and priorities you know, I, I looked at Chris Ballard in Indianapolis. It's a young team. You know, I, I think they're, they're building well. Josh Downs, you know, you, you hit on the quarterback with Richardson. And, and I think they're in a position where they can take the best player available. And I, I think Brock Bowers, adding him as, a, as another weapon for a young quarterback would go a long way to, to kind of building that team up. And, and last year it was, you know, a revolving door musical chairs there at tight end for him. So I think Bowers immediately would come in, be a starter, add another weapon, add some diversity to that offense, uh, to a young team and a sharp GM that would be willing to just go best player available based upon how the board falls. Yeah. The Ballard though, worth noting, I think Bowers or anyone that's going to fall to what we end up having them continuously mock to the Colts is traits based. Uh, Ballard is a, you know, relative athletic scorer, uh, you just nuts. 
I think he falls in love with, you know, and again, I think it's okay. They've built a ton of athletes there in Indy, and I think that that's something to watch for too. So, uh, you know, Bowers is uh, probably going to need to have a nice little weekend there in uh, in Indy. Uh, again, we get into, you know, skipped Terry and Arnold. We do kind of get into this next spot where you have some of these cornerbacks too. Um, Arnold is kind of shifting into the consensus top corner off the board. As I think having a nice little interview week so far in Indy. A lot of talk about what people think uh, Quinion Mitchell is going to do from a testing standpoint, which could put him in the mix. Uh, just a another guy, just, you know, Toledo doesn't play a ton of, uh, you know, big schools. We have some pretty nice Mitchell tape against Marvin Harrison Jr., which kind of is probably going to help his draft stock quite a bit too, especially if he starts running, uh, you know, and just testing like a freak. Uh, Connor, anything to add to uh, kind of this mid, I guess, teen section on the board of Scott's mock? Uh Quinnen Mitchell's 40 time over under is like four, three, four, something like that. So if he's in the full high four threes, low four threes, I mean, he's very much a consideration here. Maybe even as high as like the Colts, like you said, they love the, yeah. the RAS guys. Like they need some cornerback help. So, I, I mean, that kind of just makes a little bit more sense there. And uh, with the Bowers stuff, like I'd like to fit on the Colts. It'd be awesome. Um, I'm not sure if he tests well enough, but I do think that he's just like an, an amazing player. And I will be, Oh, I'm excited to be high on him for, props fantasy whatever in the future yeah. i'm just not sure right here with the draft where he goes yeah he's really kind of hard to find a, a landing spot where it's like I, I kind of agree with scott i do think that the chargers shift to offensive line and kind of the consensus thought makes a ton of sense uh, but then once you get it out of that it kind of gets really hard to find a home for him so he's a he's a tough one to mock definitely could be someone that you see currently that's maybe down the board in the back half of the board values his performance and you know makes a a swinging trade to, to move up there too. Um, 19 is kind of like a, a swing position, whereas Connor didn't have Latu kind of touched on that. Uh, I want to touch on, uh, I'm, I got a French background. Scott's down there in the Bayou too. Like I want Cooper to, to Cooper to Gene to be Cooper to Jean. Like that makes way more sense to me. Uh, he's not in your mock here, Scott. Uh, and then you kind of replaced him with someone that Connor didn't have in his mock as the Rams kind of the focal point of that. Um, kind of talk to me about the Rams or, or maybe even just the gene not being in uh, your mock draft. Uh, you know, right now the, the reports on, on Cooper DeGene is that, you know, he's, he's not able to perform this week at the combine. He is there yeah. doing interviews. I think he will interview. Well, I think people will like his tape. Um, look, there's a stigma with white cornerbacks. Like it's, it's out like there. They don't exist, you know? <laughs> so, so he, he's a bit of a unicorn in that sense. And uh, uh, he's not going to be able to participate at, at the pro day either. So he's going to have to have his own private workout. And, you know, for, for all of those unknowns and, and him being a, a bit of a unicorn, corn as far as a, a white cornerback uh, I think there's a little bit of caution to to be thrown there as far as Cooper DeGene maybe making it into the first round so I'm going to hold him out of the first round for now and, and until we get some some more information kind of on his medicals and maybe how he tests and perform um, I do know a lot of scouts like him specifically the team that I that I, I had consideration for was him down there at, in, in Green Bay I think from a traits based um, standpoint of how Green Bay drafts I think Cooper uh, DeGene would fit with them a, a bit so that was one of the considerations i did had for him but but look here we we have the rams making their their 
first round pick for the first time in what, like six years or something. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it really struggles to, to try to figure out where they might go here in, in the first round because it's been so long, but they've hit on their mid round picks at, at a high rate. So I, I trust their process and, and how they're able to identify talent that specifically fits their scheme. We kind of hit on Latu a little bit with his injury history and, and how he basically retired from football for a little bit to come back. And, and when you turn on the film, the guy has skill as a pass rusher. He's got multiple moves. He's probably a little bit along, further along as far as his pass rush moves and some of the other pass rushers here in the first round. And I think this is specifically going to be a, a situation where if his medicals check out, you know, this is going to be a range where I think you could see him and maybe even higher depending upon his medicals. But I, I think when you start looking at the Rams and, and what they were able to do, it kind of turned around their offensive line and having, you know, their offense come back to life last year. I, I think they're going to go ahead and, and maybe address defense and get another edge rusher that can go ahead and and make a little bit of noise on their on defense with them. That's yeah, a good call. They did do a good job having basically you know a defense that we were in coming into the season. That's why I was especially like very loud. I was just stunned that they were rolling out basically a bunch of day three and undrafted guys around Aaron Donald. I thought it was going to be an absolute disaster. And like, hey, look, Raheem Morris parlayed that job into a head coaching job in Atlanta. Uh, and obviously they did do a great job of uh, landing some talent there in the late and mid rounds that they deserve a ton of credit for. So uh, Dejean is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to want to call him Dijon. Um, and uh, VR does have him going in the first round currently in 89% of the mocks that have uh, come in so far. So definitely an interesting, interesting name to watch. Um, but I'll give you to kind of wrap us up, Scott, kind of, you know, the back of the board again, at this point, it becomes sometimes more of a fit than a player thing, though, you know, a lot of commonalities in terms of, actual names uh, that are kind of here in the very back end. Anything that you want to touch on or highlight here in the back that we haven't got to yet? Yeah, I think when we start looking at things, we kind of talked about positional strengths here in this draft. And I think cornerback and offensive tackle are, are kind of the two positions to to really hit on. And, and it kind of brings in a conundrum when you're building a, a mock draft and, and trying to get those positional numbers into the first round. When a, when a, a draft is kind of deep at those positions, you might have a, a you know some teams be like, well, look, we can wait for the second round, or you know maybe if we're here in the, in the bottom, you know eight to nine picks of the first round, we're willing to go ahead and trade out of the first round and, and still be able to nab a guy that we have a, a high grade on whenever a lot of teams will have these players kind of jumbled up. And it, it's it's like you said, it's going to be a really how certain guys fit the system. Specifically, though, um, some of the things I think you need to go ahead and look at is you have to start looking at some of these cornerbacks and specifically what type of schemes they played in college, whether they played off run, whether they played press, bump and run zone, those type of different things. And I think when you're building mock drafts and you're, you're you know, trying to play some of these players there and, and match them up with a team. I think that's one of the things that often gets overlooked is how specifically cornerbacks will match up with a, a defense that's there for the NFL team and some of the defensive coordinators. Um, you know, one of the guys that I do want to touch on is, is Brian Thomas. Um, Brian Thomas Jr., is, it, you're going to have to watch how he tests. There are scouts out there that tend to think that he has higher upside at the next level than Malik Neighbors. Um, I kind of have him going there to Buffalo. I think there's there's something that's a little bit off with that offense. Stephon Diggs is getting another year older, and, and you know you've had Gabriel Davis go ahead and disappear at times. And, and he's a guy that I think that you know could kind of open up, give them another consistent weapon, and if he is able to develop, you know, and, and 
you know, scouts end up being right that he has that upside a little bit higher than Malik Neighbors, I, I think would be a home run pick. Um, he's going to go ahead and have to compete with some of these guys like Keon Coleman this week at the draft. But um, he's a guy that I, I would keep an eye on. And I, I think he could go as high as 14 to the Saints if they decided um, to go. So he's got quite the range and, and is a guy that I think can go ahead and do some climbing after this week. Yeah, that back end of receiver that could basically fall anywhere between, I guess you would say, you know, 20s to 40. Seems like a, a handful of guys here, some guys that have both of you guys maybe have left off, but I get why you did. Um, A.D. Mitchell in, in Texas, um, you know, you see a lot of people with Troy Franklin here. It makes a ton of sense uh, for, you know, Kansas City. People want to give Kansas City some more speed at the position on the outside. Um, you know, Coleman, as you mentioned, uh, there's a handful of other guys too, uh, Xavier Worthy, uh, Des Walker, just a bunch of these guys that could, you know, pop in here in the, in terms of what happens at the bottom of the, of the first round and kind of in the next spot. So testing is going to be very interesting to see what happens here. Um, I do like a couple other things. I like what you did with, you know, Newton to 18 to the Bengals. I mean, with, you know, the DJ reader hurt towards the tail end of the season last year, what happens with him? Um, you know, BJ Hill also in the last year, his deal, that defense, you could really, really run on, really do whatever you wanted on them at points last season. So they do need to solidify. They have some nice edges. They need to solidify some of the interior of the defensive line. Whereas, like, you know, people want to give them Brock Bowers and some other stuff, which makes sense. But I think interior, interior defensive line makes a ton of sense uh, for them. They also have some offensive line issues that they could probably address. So that's an interesting team to kind of hone in on there, too. Texans, too, with, with Byron Murphy. I think Murphy probably tests pretty well as well. I could see him as a name that could be. Makes a ton of sense there. Uh, the interior defensive line, Sheldon Rankins. Like the Texans did a lot of like just duct tape on some stuff last year and it worked really well. But now they have a lot of decisions to make uh, and what they want to do. Because that's kind of a team there. Like they might be able to bring back all five offensive linemen. So they might not be a team that needs offensive linemen in a spot that's pretty heavy offensive line wise. So maybe they go corner, maybe they go something interior defensive line, or maybe they add to the receiver group there to give. Uh, their young quarterback, some more weapons there. Uh, Connor, do you have any thoughts here to kind of wind up uh, the end of Scott's draft or anything else you want to add? Any other notes, anything you're looking for to call mine? Yeah, four guys here that I think are really interesting uh, based on their what we expect from the combine. Brian Thomas Jr., his prop is set at 4.45. We have some people saying it'll be high 4.3s. Some people saying it'll be low 4.5s. Four, four like, it's really all over the place. So, again, that obviously will impact his draft stock a good bit there. If he tests in the 4.3s, I mean, he's probably going top – 14, 15 there easily. Um, Amarius Mims, like you mentioned already, supposed to run really well at the combine. He's a big boy. And if he runs well, I mean, could easily see his draft stock increase here. Chop Robinson has the same measurables right now as Yannick and Gakwe, except it's supposed to run a 40, like 0.3 seconds faster. Uh, and is just like a kind of a freak athletically. It was one of on Bruce Feldman's list. So I think that's He's a guy, again, who could probably shoot into the teens if he has a really good combine here. Um, and then same with Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy came in 10 pounds uh, lighter than what we were expecting. He's on the freaks list. Um, his props at five, and he's running, supposed to run in the four eights. So, again, he runs in the four eights, and he's probably moving up the draft board as well. Uh, yeah. And then Nate, Nate Wiggins, too, same, same kind of thing. I mean, just supposed to be an absolute freak. So, like, there's four or five guys here. Like, I'm not sure they go over, you know, because – like I think that there's some good guys in the teens too, but like it almost more so solidifies them as like first round picks instead of, um, you know, maybe moving them up like too too high. Yeah, I, look, I bet the Mims uh, first offensive lineman at thirty. It's not probably happening, but I feel like 
you know, he's got a Georgia pedigree. He's going to go out and do really well. I think it's just my point was that like where Scott has him at 25, I get it's really hard to mock him way, way higher, but it becomes a thing where it's like, I think that these guys are closer. And also I think to Scott's point can be kind of a, a team need based in terms of like, what kind of scheme did you play in in college? Do you have maybe some flexibility? Whereas like, okay, I think it made sense for the Titans to have Skaronsky where they could kick him inside or like the versatility that's, that's offered too. like, I could become team need specific too. So again, like, Mims to me at 30, I don't think Mims is going to be the first offensive lineman off the board, but I thought like, I thought it was worth a sprinkle at the price. Um, Cause I think he can go out and test and do something really, really well. And I think it's just kind of a, a group that I think is, is really close versus where you see them mocked, where I think my, your mindset becomes like, are there some clear delineation in tiers? I don't think that's necessarily the case two months out pre-testing before these guys get these guys in um, you know, teams get these guys in and, and meet with them. So, yeah, I think those things are are definitely interesting. Cornerback, I think, is another scenario where, like you said, like Mitchell's in the mix, uh, Wiggins is in the mix. Like, you know, we kind of have this thing where it's it was Arnold. You, you looked at a mock draft from the middle of the season during, uh, you know, maybe September, October. Everyone had, you know, Kool-Aid number one. So, like, these things are a little bit more pliable as we get more information, and we are definitely in, you know, information-finding season. So, good stuff. As always, Scott, head over to 44 Check out Scott's mock. Uh, if it's not up on the site yet, it should be up very shortly or probably by the time you are listening to this. So uh, good stuff as, as always. Anything else for the people? Yeah, the one last thing I'll say is uh, pay attention to Graham Barton. Um, he, he's a player that I think a lot of teams are going to be high on. Um, he has schematic versatility, but he also has positional versatility. Um, some teams you know, think he can go ahead and play center. Um, he, he played across multiple positions at Duke. So when we're actually looking at some of these over and unders that come out from a positional standpoint, specifically at tack tackle, try to do a little bit of research and see where they have Graham Barton placed at because um, he could be listed as a tackle because that was primarily where he played at Duke. But I, I tend to think he's more of an interior offensive lineman. So, you know, just do a little bit of homework before you start to crash and hit some of those lines when they come up. It's a good call. Stay pliable. I think having – it's your bet. Your best bet is just to not fall in love with, uh, you know, the collective groupthink early in the season where you start to think of, like, all right, these things are just uh, – again, we're pre-information. So I think, you know, having the ability to, to stay – mobile on some of the stuff is the, the right way to do it head over to 444.com slash plans take advantage of the discounts early bird special on the betting subscription get in our discord all the official plays that we will push out the season will be in there first uh subscribe to the channel before you leave and we'll be here uh next week uh with more mock draft action so i uh, appreciate everyone hanging out with us for scott and connor i'm ryan we'll see y'all next time thanks everybody <laughs>